everyone agrees, bacon makes everything better. Even marketing. This is the Bacon Podcast, where you'll learn to cure your marketing. And make your business. I can't believe I said that. Internet marketing. Online marketing. Social media tips and techniques. Now, to help you bring more bacon home, the master of marketing sizzle, Brian Basilico. This is the Bacon Podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Brian Basilico, and this is the podcast where you learn to make your business sizzle online. So are you ready to fry up some new business? Hey, peeps. I have an incredible guest. His name is Jim Berry, and he's with Nova Southeast University at the Heizinga School of Business. Now, Jim was involved in a couple of studies, actually a handful of studies, and we're going to be talking about those today on thought leadership and archetypes. What kind of communicator are you in the B2B space? And I was invited to actually fill out the questionnaire, and one day I saw Jim tagged me in this post with a whole bunch of other pieces, and I said, Jim, I want to get you on this podcast and talk about this, man. So, Jim, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Brian. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming on because this is so important. I think that B2B people really need to hear this. So, let's get your backstory. As we were talking before, you and me have something in common. We both worked at Bell Labs in Naperville, Illinois. So, how did you go from being you know, a project engineer, project manager to this you know, social media educator at a university. How did that happen? Well, it started out, as I told you, I, I married the general manager's daughter, so I had to start a job hunt. <laughs> and I got pretty fortunate. I, uh, I worked for the chairman of the board at Gould at that time in Rolling Meadows, Illinois, and that involved a lot of job transfers. So, you know, that took me out to Massachusetts. I got into uh, factory automation, telecommunications, avionics, superconducting electronics, and I was going through a lot of uh, companies like GE, BF Goodrich, ended up at Rockwell, um, where my career ended right after 9-11. It just crippled the whole aerospace business. So that moved me into academia. So that was around 2001. Got to my university, Nova Southeastern, uh, about 15 years ago, and I've been there ever since. Um, about, I think about 12 years ago, though, is where I made this real big push to get into social media. And you can imagine with with faculty, academia, they weren't too high in this because I really saw this coming. You know, I was sort of a relationship marketing guy and the different jobs I had, like strategic planning, et cetera. So I got it. Um, and I followed a lot of these practitioners. In fact, I uh, read so many of their books that I finally came up with a, what I thought were the top 25 books that could hit a classroom. And in that process, I got to know a lot of these contacts. So my colleague and I said, hey, with all these people we've connected with, and you know, sometimes we bring them into classrooms and we review more of their materials, um, I asked them if they could complete a survey because John Dronda and I thought we could really spawn a series of articles going after journals and marketing. We had three altogether that cover this one case of you know, thought leadership. Exactly what is it? You know, practitioners, they 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 grab onto that topic and then they get bored with it and run out to the next thing. I'm like, hold on a second. You can be onto something here, but in academia, we've got to blend it in with theory, like exactly where does it fit and then flush it out. So now we have sort of a formula. What are all the determinants? Uh, how does it drive influence back then? You know, your influence is determined by uh, cred and clout scores, et cetera, at least what we call, you know, social capital for resonating your content. All right, so that was one paper, was to actually design the framework. The second one was on these 
archetypes because in the process of doing this, beyond the survey, we went into over a thousand LinkedIn recommendations for those 171 social media influencers like yourself. And we start realizing that there's a variety of different personalities that lead to this influence. Not everybody was engaging. Not everybody had emotional passion. Not everybody had the same writing technique. So in a paper that we submitted to the Journal of Selling, uh, we uncovered eight personas. Uh, now, that was a subset of what we call four major archetypes. So what are the four major archetypes and how do you break that down? And uh, what does that mean in an archetype when you're talking about that? So it's a personality definition for yourself that fits with your own style. You know, it almost starts with um, some attributes you see of Myers-Briggs. So let me take like one of the first dimensions that led to this archetype. And it was the way you connect with your audience. So for the longest time, books were saying that, oh, you had to be highly engaging. Well, that's not true. Uh, not everybody's an extrovert. But when you connect with your audience, if you're not engaging, you better be enlightening, more the introverted style. Now, we looked at another dimension, and that was the way you build your inspiration. So there was this feeling that, you know, you had to be all pumped up and motivating the Tony Robbins type or Gary Vaynerchuk. But we found that that's not the only route to inspiration. But if you're not doing it based on passion, you've got to do it based on ideas. So if you take those two dimensions, you end up with four quadrants. So a combination of inspiration and ideas where you're enlightening, okay, you, we, we call that an analyst. If you're still inspiring based on ideas, but you're highly engaging, that would be a mentor. The two other groups then were edutainers and what we call motivators. Now. The study also revealed that within each one of those quadrants, you know, the analyst, the mentor, the edutainer, the motivator are subsets. This is where we go from archetypes to personas. And that had to do with your comfort zone in your content. So we found that you either are sort of a how-to instructional type person or you're more that insightful person. You know, I'm going to give you sort of the, uh, the window into what's coming down the pike in the future and help you navigate through all these changes, but I'm not going to give you the how-to stuff. So what came out of that then were actually eight personas. So within the analyst, we saw the visionary, and then we saw strategists. Within the mentor, we saw a teacher and a tutor. Within the edutainers, we saw the entertainers and the charismatics. Within the motivators, we saw a coach, and then we saw... Uh, what a lot of these uh, influencers call themselves, the evangelists. So the study really revealed that, you know, you have to stick to one of those. Those people that straddle the fence end up losing their influence. And that totally makes sense. So put that into a B2B world. So, you know, as we're trying to get our messages out there, um, how how does that affect the way that we create and disseminate content? I mean, what, what difference does that make? Okay, so for example, if you, you consider yourself a visionary, so there's a number of these influencers that would fit that category, then you have to kind of stay with forecasts, uh, white papers, your forum should be behind a podium. Um, people would only expect statistics. Um, and even if you are going beyond the statistics and you get into interpretation, it's at a very high level, sort of like across your enterprise strategically. Uh, 
Uh, they tend to hang out on all the different platforms, but pri primarily on uh, LinkedIn because you're going to be parking a lot of content. And in that case, probably also Twitter. But if you kind of move down to where your connection is out of engagement, you know, your forum changes. You tend to see these people more in seminars, workshops, where there's a lot of interaction. Uh, they're not behind the podium. They're always interfaced with other people, you know, like a panel on uh, Periscope or Facebook Live. Um, their posts tend to be more engaging and it's more about sharing personal stories versus, you know, the analyst archetypes are more about sharing best practices. Now, when you move to, you know, where the inspiration is all passionate, now you start seeing far more on video, you know, like the, the TED Talks. But a lot of these people, by the way, they're still on stage. That's where we separated, you know, you're either enlightening or you're engaging. If, if you're a preacher, you're a comedian, you know, you're not going to the audience saying, hey, what do you think so far? Before I continue, let me field a couple of questions. So they have all that passion, but not necessarily engaging. Their forums, though, on the passionate side tend to be, um, you know, highly emotional, testimony-driven uh, videos and dressed up with a lot of entertainment. So if they're doing panels, you know, there's got to be a lot of fun entertainment surrounding them. Now, what we saw was when those people try to mix it up, like those forecasters, all of a sudden they do a podcast and they try to be emotional, et cetera. It's, it's a turnoff. Mm -hmm. It actually won't help their influence. People want you to stick to what they've always seen you as. Gotcha. So the bottom line is be true and authentic. So that takes us into the thought leadership side. So explain that, uh, you know, because thought leadership is a term that people throw all the time. I'm not a thought leader, you know, but um, it's a little bit more complex than just, you know, putting out your thoughts and leading, right? <laughs> oh, this was highly complex. Um, you know, when you get in these, this, by the way, this was a top 10 journal and these reviewers, you know, they were butchering this. We had to go through a couple of revisions. It's like, take off the practitioner hat. What is this? And we end up with like a 30-word definition. But, you know, here's, here's what we found that, that, that academics would appreciate. Thought leadership means you, got, you have, literally have groundbreaking ideas that are capable of driving conversation. You regularly disclose that idea in almost all your pieces of content. And you show elements of ingenuity. So, you know, I was, it was, we were talking about Jay Bear would be a great example of he's a thought leader because he actually established a new framework of marketing that we use in academia. So as he was taking us from top of mind to frame of mind to friend of mind marketing, you know, now he's got a, a following. He's not, he's not bringing in, by the way, Here's, here's how you could get a little bit more out of TikTok or Snapchat or here's some best practices on posting ads and, and Facebook. They're about saying there's a very different approach to marketing. You know, if you look like Seth Godin, he was kind of like the founder of this whole permission-based marketing approach. That's what really drives the thought leadership competencies that we saw and among all the people that we surveyed. Gotcha. So define inside of this survey, what are the pieces that thought leaders need to have? I mean, there's different, you know, components to thought leadership. Right. Number one is this uh, operational helpfulness. So, you know, advising uh, your, your followers on best practices for adopting a new technology or new business practice um, and giving them helpful tips that are kind of skill-based, like shortcuts to doing whatever a task is. 
the second thing related more to the um, the inspirational role. So we found that that inspiration is really coming out of like transformational leadership theory that like good CEOs always have great stories to tell and an entertaining style, usually draped by uh, humor. So both those, you know, the entertaining side as well as the visual storytelling part uh, drive inspiration that leads to this thought leadership. The other element was the engagement style. Now, that engagement's only going to work to a point that it drives empathy. So just engaging for the sake of engaging, showing some courtesy or whatever, that's, that's not going to work. At the end, it's just a path where people could say, wow, you really do represent our voice and you do have sort of this compassion or feelings towards us to where you're willing to risk your own social capital and share our content with your many, many followers. You know, they have to see that. Um, and there's this, what we call dialogic responsiveness, which means you're not just answering. You're basically answering with the intent to drive a conversation. So this is like with our students, we tell them that every time somebody has a comment, that's an opportunity for you to further the con conversation, but it's got to maintain a track towards why that community was developed. But, you know, if I could use an example, Lee Odin, uh, you know, I was commenting him on, I says, man, I says, you know, I look at your posts and how long your comments are. I says, you got a big following. He says, and I hate that. I don't want that. Hey, way to go, Lee. You rock. And he says, they just broke this dialogue. You know, so the good thought leaders are like, how can I take that comment and, and turn it into, that's an interesting point. And now my response to them continues the dialogue. Mm -hmm. So those thought leaders have, it's not only a long trail of commentary, we, you know, we call it being talk worthy, but it, they, they're so crafty in how they do it that it keeps advancing their cause. Yeah, and you see that a lot of, that's one of the things that I think in the B2B space is lost, is a lot of people tend to post and run. They'll post the content. Yeah. Somebody will say something nice and long and say, thanks for the comment. You know, they don't get in and create the dialogue. And in relationship marketing, it really is about the relationship. And exactly. that one-on-one, -on -one, you know, hey, that's a really great point. Well, here's my take on that. What do you think? You know, so you're, you're starting a conversation as opposed to just trying to be a thought leader and say, here's what I think. And that's the end of the story. Yeah. So, I mean, even if you listen to Seth Godin speak, when somebody asks him a question, he engages that person in the answer. You notice that? Yeah, exactly. You know, this piece that I had done itself, uh, more of the comments from the leaders were about, boy, I would have thought my, I, I was a coach or I would have thought it was an analyst. And then I would say, here's a perspective that we got, but I was kind of driving for, let's, let's continue this dialogue on what are some of the elements of a coach, you know, versus a tutor versus an edutainer in the whole dialogue. Otherwise, somebody coming into a brand new is, is just maybe going to field your comment on thank you very much, and it dies out fast. Mm -hmm. One last piece of this is we talked um, ahead of time, and you had four major components in this, and that was kind of the entertainment story and humor and thought leadership being instruction versus insight, and then the empathy. I think we've covered that in the social engagement side of things, and the authenticity I think we've covered as well. So talk a little bit more about instruction and insight and story and humor. Yeah, that's, that's something else we found out. There's, 
there's two styles of content that work. Now, by the way, this comes from a study we did for uh, a lawyer who used to be the, uh, the former um, president of the Florida Bar Association. And we found with, the, with all the personal injury lawyers and all that, there were two forms of content that got the most likes. People didn't like hearing you brag about themselves, but it was either, let me tell you how to do something, how to sway the jury, et cetera, et cetera. And then the rest was insightful. Here's what we think is going to happen with a certain law. And the same with these 171 social influencers that we examine. Content tends to be either how to for kind of helping people shore up their skills in a business task. And then they stay with that. There's this other group that's more about, let me tell you what's coming down the pike because I have a lot of foresight. I understand. I'm kind of visionary. I think I know these technologies that are going to hit our business. Let me explain how I think we can navigate through it. We call that insightful. And like in a case of marketing would be those marketing foresights. Um, so you have to be either one or the other, but we do see a migration. A lot of people, they pay their dues as instructional before they're given the credibility as being insightful. But rarely do you see the leaders be both. You know, for example, I might look at a leader and every time he gives me a digest, it's five tips to boost your influence on Instagram. You know, six ways to do this, four reasons why. Rarely do you see that person saying, let me take a pause. I'm going to do this video on, you know, where is influence marketing going in the next five years? That's better off for another persona. You know, somebody who's better at insights. But I think it's it comes down to, you know, just doing what your personality is more comfortable with. I have a lot of students where they just want to stick with the instructional part. Mm -hmm. They love because they're so enamored with technology. But I think, you know, as you get older, we, we'd rather be more insightful because maybe we're not as adept at being so skilled in our business that we could keep telling you like how to put a nail in a garage wall. Eventually, unless you're working for Lowe's or Home Depot, you kind of run out of material. Right. So let's put this in a neat boat. Based on these two things, the archetypes, the thought leadership, what is the biggest takeaway you think that B2B communicators need to understand from this? What If you could sum it up in a way that, you know, the aha moment that you think they need to get, what is it? I think you need to craft a statement that encompasses your content marketing plan with three elements in it. Number one, what that influence is, number two, your primary expertise, because you have to be consistent with that. And number three, your unique perspective. I have a statement for myself. Uh, my own you know, examination of this test instrument show that I fit more as a visionary. So I have a statement that says, you know, I am a visionary with fill in the blank, this expertise. In my case, it's like, you know, the expertise tends to be in social media influence with this perspective as an academic. So three parts to it. I am fill in the blank, this archetype, with this fill in the blank expertise, with this fill in the blank unique perspective. The last part is key, I think. We can't all compete with each other. There's just so much in every industry. You finally have to kind of carve out your space, say, I have a unique voice. You know, like, in my case, it's an academic, but you could have a unique voice as an entrepreneur or as a mom or as a, a technical expert. And then, so take that. That way, you're, it forces you to stay consistent and authentic 
to where you don't deviate and just craft it as one statement. And I use that now every time I go into any piece that I have as a blog post or a podcast episode or a video. That would be my recommendation. I love that. And and just having that understanding before you start creating content, understanding the rules of engagement <laughs> along that, yeah. you know, are going to change slightly. I think that really gives you a, a leg up on the competition. And that's really what I think is the biggest takeaway. Jim, this has been fantastic. I'm going to link to both of those studies on the Bacon Podcast. Just go to Bacon Podcast, look for this episode. I'll have both of those so you can download them and take a look at all the details. But if people wanted to get in touch with you or follow you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, they could connect with me on LinkedIn or through email. My email is jmberry, B-A-R-R-Y, at nova, N-O-V-A, dot E-D-U. Awesome. Hey, Jim, man, again, this was fantastic. I know we've got another topic in us, so we're going to be coming back and doing another episode here fairly soon. But I want to thank you for taking the time to explain this and your expertise, and especially including me in the study, man. I am honored, and I truly enjoyed talking with you about this because, man, it's, it's an eye-opening perspective. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Brian, for the opportunity, and I look forward to working with you in the future. Well, that's it for today's Bacon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and learned something today. If you did, please go to iTunes and give us a review. We appreciate all your feedback and comments. If you have any questions, go to www.baconpodcast.com forward slash questions, and we'll make sure we get those answered for you. Till next time, keep sizzling. Keep sizzling.